Welcome to episode seven of season four of Whole Lot of Wolves. We're your hosts. I'm Joshua Buckley. I am Paul LePage. And joining us from Baltimore, our social media extraordinaire, Mr. Danny Paletti. How's it going, Danny? I've been better, but here I am. Uh, Somehow I caught the illness that perhaps Alex has. Is it possible to catch a cold through a podcast? I mean, there are viruses on the interwebs. Could happen. I I caught one of them. (laughs) You caught one of them. (laughs) Uh, You know what wolves can't catch? A break. Can't catch a break. My goodness. A 1-1 draw, which somebody actually predicted a draw, Paul. Oh, yeah, it was me. I just, I I had a feeling. We play down to the competition. That clearly happened this game. Uh, And then again, just a horrible decision. You can't even say badge check at this point. I mean, they favored Luton Town. What what are we doing here? Um, Paul, what was the most frustrating part of that draw? Was it the way the team just came out? flat was it the coaching by gary o'neill which a lot of questions with his subs um or was it the awful handball that resulted in luton town being able to score the tying goal i think that's where we we start and you look at that handball and and work backwards I, i can't for the life of me figure out how Gomez can go close down the opponent, do his job, get a block in, and then get penalised for something that was totally out of his control for the ball going vertically up in the air and catching his hand. So obviously if that had gone straight there, no, no question about it, but just the the BS that you hear and the just confusion and interpretation and guidelines and all this BS that no one really knows, it, it's just, it, it makes you wonder like what the whole thing is, is all about, that you get these crazy decisions. And I don't know why, but it just it seems like us each and every time that it should have been looked at to, to a man, to the players that were surrounding the ref, they all said that it came off him. And then that should have been ratified by VAR taking a look and, and no penalty. If that was given purely based on it being an, exp- and being an inexperienced ref, which was wholly obvious to everyone watching on Saturday, they had very little control out of that game. And it was obvious that the Premier League seems a little too much of a stretch for him at this particular moment in his career. Then I I just, I can't put my finger on this consistency of of officiating or non-officiating what should be ratified by VAR, what shouldn't be. Just it makes no sense and it makes watching it less enjoyable. It, it generally does because we're at the we're at the whim of someone's interpretation. We're at the whim of someone's spontaneous decision that, that's got no real rhyme or reason. That's always been my thing. I don't mind losing 
I don't mind, you know, it, it look, it's sports. It's going to happen. <laughs> We're talking about it like it's a loss, you know, even though we did get a point. I don't mind it. I don't like being cheated. And again, it's it's not even a well, you know, maybe it should, maybe it could have been called like we're going to talk about the the red card earlier, uh, uh, from earlier in the game. But no, this was I, I mean, you read the rules and you go, it's very well written there. If that's not a clear and obvious error, which is what VAR is there for, I don't I don't know what is uh, the inconsistency from honestly either the most or the second most prestigious league in all of sports. How is the officiating this bad? I mean, the NFL has its issues. Don't get me wrong. Um, inconsistencies there. But you, the EPL makes the NFL referees look like pristine. And it's, it's nuts to me, especially with how much money is involved, too, with sports gambling now. I don't understand how they're able to get away with this. At some point, somebody's going to lose, somebody important is going to lose a lot of money because of stuff like this. And then it's going to get even more dicey. I think it's just a bad reflection on the whole organization. What I struggle with is this closed shop of the officials all being in the same pod. It's the VAR trying to protect the on-field team, the on-field team looking for the VIR of some reassurance that they can do their job properly because they've got that protection. I'd have some better understanding, maybe better appreciation if there was a distinct separation that the VAR should have nothing to do with the on-field officiating whatsoever. They should have nothing to do with that officiating crew. They shouldn't even know them. VAR should be a bunch of technical analysts who know the rules, they're skilled, they go through a test. That can be set by the FA or PGMOL or whoever. To be a, a F, uh, to be a VAR analyst, you've got to pass and you've got to be the best of the best. Set it up in that way. So it's distinct. There's no, there's not this closed shop. There's not this protection. There's not this, like, there's not this looking after the guy that could be on the sideline for you, on the, on running the line for you on, on the next week. There's, there's too much at stake for it to be coming down to personalities and, and interpretations based on someone that you know. And and if you don't want their feelings to get hurt or they're only new into the job, so you want them to have a better introduction than what they're going to experience, it needs to be way more professional, way more better structured. We have a no stupid question from loyal listener Steve Young. He said, can we start a petition to investigate the FAPGMOL? They are ruining my weekends. It's true. I mean, at, at some point, who governs? the governing body of officials. I know. Who's watching the watchmen. But it's like, again, you can, if we have Howard Webb come up on that show, they're doing review the controversial decisions. Oh, it's great that we'll get to listen to the, the audio and the discussion between on field and VAR and, oh, there's more transparency now than ever. Great. It doesn't solve the problem. 
So to that point, how's, how does it get fixed? There's still no solution to bad officiating. I, I hate to say it. I kind of wonder if there is a little bit of issue when it comes to sports gambling in these referees. What What is in place to keep them from doing that? The NBA had to change some laws because they had that issue. And I know that's a big... That's a big thing to accuse a group of referees of, but these are some bad and not, yeah, it's clear and obvious errors that just aren't being turned around. Something is fishy. I think it's a stretch on these particular occasions now with VAR to say that it's to, to say that it's got to that extent because it would mean that you've got the these bad decisions that are, are getting reinforced. So there's an error made on the pitch and then someone else is backing it up uh, in, in the office, Stockley Park, where, wherever. That would take some rapid real level of corruption in order to, to impart on that. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I just put it. It, it shouldn't what what it gets to me it shouldn't even it shouldn't even be in the discussion yet it keep it keeps on happening and and it always seems that it's it's coming back to us i i never feel like i'm watching these games over the course of a weekend it maybe it happens to other teams and they think that they're under the spotlight but boy does it feel like we get picked apart by something each and every week yeah, absolutely. There was the other red uh, that happened on uh, Bellegarde's his little kick. Seemed like a little soft, but at the same time, I understood that one getting a red a little bit more. Obviously, if you're slowing it down or whatever, you, you can you kind of got to see he's not necessarily like kick kicking him out of the way. It's kind of more pushing him, but ultimately. That's that's going to be viewed as a major infraction. So, Danny, I was more okay with that one. It sucked, um, you know, and it, it was soft, but it probably deserved a red, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just one of those where it it can be as soft as we as we like to think it is, but it's just always going to be given as a red. Um, you know, I think. Mm-hmm. A reasonable person could argue that something like that should not be a red, that there should be more gray area. But the way that the current rules are, the way that they've been interpreted the last uh, forever, I mean, as long as I can remember, you know, it's just you're never going to get away with pushing someone, kicking someone, whatever, with your studs and not get a red. You know, it might be the softest possible example of that, but he should know better. And uh, I think I saw someone point out, you know, if he were a little more clever in that moment, he could have potentially turned that into a, a yellow for, for Lockyer, who had him in the figure four leg lock <laughs> during mm-hmm. that, you know, if, and it was tough because the action moved away from them. So no one was really looking, but I think that if he had been playing it up more, Lockyer could have gotten the yellow, but in that moment when he pulls his foot out and then nudges him, shoves him, whatever, whatever you want to call it, that, then that just makes it an easy decision for the ref. And 
once the call's made on the field, VR is never going to overturn that because by the letter of the law it is the right call, even yeah. if it's like you said, even if it's soft. Well, and I I feel like if we were on the receiving end of one of our players being pushed like that and it was overturned, like we'd be furious. We'd be like, oh, that's a red every day. So ultimately there you kind of have to look at it and go, yeah, I get it. Now it sucks. He's going to be out, you know, for a couple of big games. Um, but, you know, maybe it's an opportunity to get someone else um, involved. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about Tommy Doyle a little bit. That could be somebody interesting. But, Paul, even though we're disappointed 1-1 draw, do you think it's a fair result because of how poorly the players did look? And it, 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 this was, again, typical Wolves playing down to the competition, right? Yeah, I was. I get the argument that it was Luton's only second home game in the EPL, home ground, you know, tricky place to go, home fans support and all of that. But still, to to give them the the opportunities they had and and to dominate the game as they did in that first twenty minutes for the for the side that we had out that had some alarm bells ringing and we, we could have gone a goal down after they hit the post relatively early on. So that that was troubling for me that we had all that talent on the pitch yet we couldn't impart anything on the the league's whipping boys, what they purport to be. So that was an issue. Um not to single players out, but it's like sometimes it feels like he's got to use his squad better. Like that wasn't a game for Wang. I don't think it wasn't a formation that he started with as the team that he put out. When it's tight, the opposition's in your face. You haven't got that big pitch to play with. Wang hasn't got the close control to control the ball, pass and move, um, Work, get get into spaces, quick one touches, and, and away you go. He's, he's not that type of player, and wholly illuminated when he got that opportunity and he just ran it straight out of play. So that's what the, the issue was for me that I don't think we were set up right to begin with. Um, it, it never the ball never really stuck up front at all at any point during the game, whether we had eleven players on the pitch or 10. And again, that points to a, um, probably a game and, and a setup where it probably wasn't advantageous to have Cunha as the false nine or nine or whatever position he, he took as that lone, lone striker. So that factored into it a, a little bit, but I was probably more critical of him with the Crystal Palace, uh, O'Neill I'm talking about here, with the Crystal Palace defeat in terms of being more proactive when he wasn't, whereas on Saturday, I think he did uh, a good job in seeing our limitations, put, putting a stop to him, um, and, and nearly grinding out a result. And I think had it not been for that error I think we would have soaked up that pressure and probably would have hit him on the break and got a second um, that's the fine margins that you're dealing with 
I mean, we've been talking about the negative, but let's talk about something good. Um, first off, I apologize, Pedro Neto, for everything bad I've said about you uh, this season. Because, boy, oh boy, he's already been looking good with assists, and then he pulls out a beaut of a goal. Um, Two-part question, Paul. Is Pedro back? And second part, when does he get sold off? <laughs> I think I think he is back, and it is it is really good to see in that he is the only shining light. He is the only ray of creativity. Mm-hmm. There is nothing else on that pitch that offers a glimmer of attacking attempt intent on a consistent basis. He's the only outlet, and it's not surprising that he was the only one left up till right the very end of the game in the hope that he could pull another rabbit out the hat with some brilliance to, to try and win it. So um, that is a highlight, how how we can keep that up. Um, I don't know, but I, I hope we can. And I think he will be, um, those types of performances will put him firmly under the spotlight again, especially if there's... Um, again, money to money to be spent in these transfer windows, which it seems like there is again. These these performances are, are certainly gonna make him a a wanted man. He was frustrated though after the game as well. Um, do you think that frustration is warranted? It's hard to know where it's where it's pointing to that. It's hard to know is is there an element of the officiating potentially is there an element of your teammates aren't the same standard possibly is there an element of being frustrated with the coaching and not being able to to get the best what he feels out of him and the team that could factor into it as well there's a whole myriad of things that it could be um so I don't know. It just you, you, you think you hear that stuff. You, you get that body language vibes. May not necessarily just be him either, and it, it doesn't give a good impression. Where at, at the very most, you do want some backs against the wall. You know that type of spirit that that we're going to pull through. We're going to work together as a team. I know it might have been a cliche social media post from his social media team automated for 5.15 after the game finishes that gets sent out. But the stuff that it does send out, at least that gives some positive vibes to cling to. So I I don't know. Hopefully it's just a a, a build-up of of frustration on the circumstances around it, not necessarily down to the team and the staff. You know, speaking of tweeting... um... I think we can all agree Jao Gomez kind of on short end of the stick there when it came to the handball. But boy, oh boy, he still had a really great game, I felt like. And then he tweets afterwards, I love you, Wolves. I love being here. Uh, Danny, I mean, this it's so impossible not to root for this kid, right? He's just, he's so genuine, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, you know, in contrast to some some of the other characters that have come and gone, you know, he, he seems to genuinely want to be here and play for this team, even if it is a stepping stone, which, you know, coming, 
coming from the Brazilian league, you wouldn't blame him thinking this is a great entryway into European football. Who knows where this leads? This gets me somewhere else. And I don't think any fan would blame him for, for feeling that way, but he knows that while he's here, you know, he's here for this team and, and he always expresses that. It's like, it's clear on social media. People really appreciate that sentiment, you know, again, no matter how performative it is, it doesn't matter. You know, like he, he knows what's important uh, in this moment, especially when we're fighting like this. Mm -hmm. I view this as two ways. I think one way you can view it is while I think, yes, wolves are a stepping stone for a lot of people. Some people are like Nunes. They're always looking forward to the next move. Like, whereas I view Joe Gomez as more of what Neves was, where you're looking at the present, like, okay, that move will be there in the future. As long as I bust my butt now, I play, I play with passion. And it's very clear. I I mean, I believe every word of that. He does love being here um, because of the fact he's, he's busting his butt the entire game. Um, and you can also look at it too. Some guys maybe just prefer to be big fish in little ponds as opposed to little fish in big ponds. So he's here at Wolves. I don't know about his background. Maybe he grew up in a small town like Wolverhampton, and to him, it feels like home. And so he doesn't necessarily feel like, well, I want to go to Manchester or I want to go to a London team. Like maybe he's just not comfortable there. We saw that with Raul Jimenez. Raul Jimenez really enjoyed, like, hey, I'm here. You know, people, I, I'm a big deal around town, but they're not harassing me and everything. So it could be either of those, Paul. Do you, do you think that's correct? I think it's a, a good a good coverage of his experience and what his, uh, what growth is enjoying, both a, a, as an individual personally and his, his career trajectory. I think it's a... It's going to be a good move for him, no matter where where it pans out. That he could certainly do well and be a be a big fish in the small walls pond, or it could be that stepping stone onto bigger things. He's already getting international recognition as well, so hopefully that's some reassurance to him that he could be at walls, be getting regular playing time for two or three more seasons. If you're still doing that and being in contention in and around that Brazil squad, then it's not doing um, those aspirations any harm. So it, it it could be a perfect storm for all of that. Yeah, and uh, to me, I look at it and go, as long as the 11 guys we're throwing out there have the same attitude he does, we'll be fine. We'll be fine in the end because these are guys that, are looking to compete now that aren't looking to, oh, let me just make myself look good for YouTube highlights um, for my eventual move. Um, so that was nice to see. Anything else, Paul? Any thoughts on this match before we move on? It wasn't the icing on top of the cake as it could have been, but just the poetic justice in having Neto turn Lockyer absolute inside out for the goal and like leave him 
in a twisted heap on the floor and then smash it in. That was so, so nice. I just wish that would have been that that shining moment that we could have all regaled. And just when he went off and it's been repeated on more than one occasion by plenty of other people, just what he did after in celebrating like he didn't know what to do and there was probably 30 different celebrations from <laughs> jumping up and down to kissing the badge to showing his name on the back to the the, the double ear listening and, and all sorts it was great so um yeah Pedro Neto thank you for those uh fleeting moments on Saturday I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my hands yeah, we forgot we forgot what this scoring is, so let's just have it all because we never know when it's going to happen again. Danny, any last thoughts from you? Yeah, just um, you know, I I tried to even myself out after that. It was it was a pretty frustrating game to watch, but you know, it's funny. I think some of us walked into that game feeling like it was going to be a coronation. You know that you know here we come against this team that's ill-prepared for the Premier League. No matter how bad we are, we're just going to walk all over them. But we still have serious issues in terms of having a settled shape and, and knowing what we're doing as a as a group. And, uh, and it should not have surprised any of us that Luton knew, you know, that a chance to get points is going to be to have Wolves at home. There's going to be a, a handful of other teams at home that they can try to get points off of. And, you know, it 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 shouldn't have surprised the players on the field, but uh, clearly, clearly it did to a certain degree. So um, I'm, I'm no longer kind of shocked uh, or as shocked at the uh, first half performance. It was it was very bad. But also, uh, you know, we, we should have seen Luton uh, seeing an opportunity there. There are no guarantees in the English Premier League, I feel like. Not at all. Well, let's start uh, looking ahead. We have a Carabao Cup game on Tuesday. Danny, it's actually going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Holy cow. Uh, we did it. Yeah. Of course, we talked <laughs> about it before we got on the show here, and it's probably because this may be a chance for an upset is what the ESPN people are looking at. It's Ipswich versus Wolves at one two forty five Eastern, one forty five Central. Um, Paul, what are we thinking about this? I think he's going to uh, run it back formation wise and <clears throat> team pretty much largely what we saw against Blackpool in that it's going to be a trickier fixture away from home so that the solidity uh, will be there. Um, it's still a chance to rotate, but still give some valuable game time to, to players that, that need it and can come in and, and still do a good job. And I think he may potentially be looking at repeating that formation come Saturday. How important is this game for Gary O'Neill? Very. Um, and that's not just to put a... That's not to say he's got um, the, the pressure that he's under makes it a must win. Just it, he needs a win and he needs to progress and wins breed confidence. Um, the ball hitting the back of the net breeds confidence. So everything that can, can be done in a positive way will help. Um, so 
will it take the pressure off uh, a win? Um, it won't take the pressure off. Will it increase if we go out? It, it certainly will. So that, that factors into it, certainly. One thing that was kind of making the rounds after the game is Big Sassy, not very pleased with Gary O'Neill. And I think a lot of people were not happy that Salsa didn't make it into the game. Do you think that this is the time, Danny, where they need to put him in the starting lineup again? Yeah, I, I can't say for sure just because I don't know the, um, you know, his his fitness levels. I know Gary O'Neill has said in the past that he's not ready to to start. Um, so I don't I don't know if this is the time. Certainly, if he is ready. I'd say it has to be the time just because um, for rotation purposes, as much as um, just getting him solid minutes against a decent opponent. I mean, like, you know, it's hard to look at this as a must win when, you know, we might be a bottom of the premier league uh, side and they are currently a top of the championship side. So it's not like there's a huge gulf here. Um, they're playing well, so like it's not it's not going to be a cakewalk um, like perhaps Blackpool was. Um, we don't know how much they're going to rotate, but in any case, you know, getting Sasha meaningful minutes should be a priority as long as you know his body's ready for it. Yeah, they got it. I mean, it just continues to amaze me. You have a weapon like that, and you really are refusing to use him again. Did did Big Sassy run over O'Neill's dog? Like what's what's going on here? <laughs> so Paul, would you start would you start Fabio or would you start Sassy? I'd start them both again. Yeah. I'd I'd have um I'd have uh Kalajnic as the as the focal point and then uh give Silvermore for a free roll off of him. Yeah, and you have to consider that, you know, I, I don't know what lineup we're going to play on the following game against City, but, you know, if either of them score a goal in that game, then that's that's icing <laughs> because, you know, it's I'm not expecting anybody to get, get a goal in that game. So if the point is to see if we can get some goals out of these guys to breed some confidence, then then Ipswich is the time to do it, not, not waiting till the weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look real quick at the prediction table, Paul. On the listener side, Steve Young called a nil-nil draw, so he got a point. He was the only one with points this week, so he sits in first place with eight points. Dan Wilkes in second with five. And Todd DeWitt in third place with four points. As far as ours, Alex still up there with nine. Uh, he's not here tonight, but he'll he'll be turning in his predictions our guest spot was seven. Uh, Danny, you've got two points. Paul, you have two points. And I broke away from you guys, unfortunately, because I called the draw against Luton Town. So I have three. <laughs> Bitter, bittersweet. Uh, Danny, what's your prediction for this Carabao Cup game? I'm in the unfortunate position of, uh, I feel like, in my head for each of these games, I keep thinking, oh, we'll, we'll win 2-0 or something. and And then we end up not winning and I feel even more sad. Um, I think I want to go two one on this one wolves. I, I think that we have enough. 
uh, I'm not sure. I think we'll have a, a change defense, so I think we'll concede. Okay. Paul? I'm going to go uh, a 2-2 draw, but a positive of progression on penalties. Yeah. Let's still advance. Okay. God, I fucking hate this. I've... I'm going to say a 1-1 draw, and I think they'll blow it. I just <laughs> do. I think they'll blow it in the penalties. I hate it. I hate myself that, you know, I'm saying it, but they got to prove something, man. And I don't even know, like, especially when you're talking about subs, like, who's taking kicks for us that you can trust, you know? I don't know. So. Yeah, how good is how good is Santi Bueno's penalty? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Matt Matt Doherty's gonna be like third in the line for taking kicks. So, yeah, <laughs> that's another thing. We might score more. Doherty's probably gonna start. I mean, he he's probably gonna get a hat trick against Ipswich. Enjoying a whole lot of wolves, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening. Don't forget to rate and review the show so that we can make sure to continue to grow the pack. Thanks for listening and up the mighty wolves. All right. To get us ready for uh, the butt whooping we're going to take on Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, we've got our friends from Noisy Neighbors Podcast. It's Joey and Mulv again. How you doing, guys? Hey. What's up, dude? Thanks for having Joey, us back. Joey, I got to hear again uh, your uh, interpretation of our theme song. What is before, it? Before we do that, and I, I was literally just out taking my evening walk, and uh, like we, I'm in Texas, and uh, my house, we back up to like a green belt, so there's uh-huh. like loads of wildlife and that going on back there, which I hate. Um, but I was having a walk, and I, I turned the corner, and up ahead of me, I see what looks like a huge pack of uh, coyotes. Um, but when I I looked a little bit closer. It was actually a whole lot of wolves. That is tremendous. Danny, there you go. Cut it. Yeah. Cut it. <laughs> That's going right on the Twitter. <laughs> I love it. Well, obviously, guy, you guys are uh, in a good mood. Although, is it okay for us to uh, contribute to the GoFundMe to pay uh, Rodri's fine? Because uh, not only did he strangle one of our least favorite players in Morgan Gibbs White, but now he's not playing this weekend. True. Um, hmm. I don't know if we're allowed to take in any more money and. It'd probably be 116 charges at that point. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Receiving funding from another club to pay off fines. Bad money. <laughs> I didn't realize it, it had worked out so well for Wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's uh, what's the Gibbs White thing? Just you hate him? You know, Just... he used to be a part of he used to be a part of the squad. He was, came up in the academy. And uh, the fans didn't really like him. And then he went to Nottingham oh. Forest, and it just kind of expanded from there. Oh, so Sancho vibes. 
yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah. yeah Sancho came up at City and then was like, "I'm not playing enough," and then mm-hmm. left and went to Dortmund and was fine, and then went to the scum. Unlucky mate. <laughs> I see. Now I get it. Okay, and then along with that, he's he's not going to play against you at the weekend, is he? No. What do you reckon? We we think that he's arguably the best player in the world at the moment on form. Rodri, that is. What are your thoughts? I mean, he's certainly been tremendous. It is tough, although, with Halan to pick somebody other than him on you guys' roster. I would give uh, a testicle up if I could have uh, Holland on Wolves, even for just like a month of matches. What are yours worth? (laughs) 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 What kind of money are we talking here? (laughs) A lot of legal fees, baby. We got to pay for this. (laughs) No, he's he's a big miss for us, so moment of madness there like it's mm-hmm. really out of character for him because he seems a pretty chilled out guy um so i don't know what he was thinking but he did need a rest because he's True. played uh perpetually for over a, over a year now for both city city and uh and spain so uh not the way we wanted to see it him get a rest but he will nonetheless yeah <laughs> So let's talk uh, another familiar face, Mateus Nunes. Mm-hmm. Started Ooh. your 3-1 win Champions League uh, against Red Star Belgrade. Assist to Haaland on Saturday in that 2-0 win. First impressions? We actually just got done talking about him. Um, looks like he's been there for a long time. Looks like he's been at City for a long time. Uh, and, and I'm not going to lie to you guys. Don't take this the wrong way. I don't watch a ton of wolves. Uh, so pretty much all we had to go off of was just trusting Pep's word that he said Nunez was one of the best players he'd seen. And I got to tell you, man, like positional flexibility, um, just overall ball knowledge. What he showed against Forrest, especially in his, his the lead up to the assist was just phenomenal. Uh, Akanji had pushed forward. He drops back in the back line to cover that space, intercepts a pass, moves forward, plays a one-two with Phil Foden, inch-perfect cross to Holland. Mulv called it a layup. Uh, alley-oop. Alley-oop. Sorry, you're the best. <laughs> um, but yeah, just so far so good. Um, curious to see where he ends up with us, if it's further back, you know, next to Rodri or something like that, or if he's permanently one of the eights or if he ends up even higher kind of where we push De Bruyne where he's like a second striker sometimes um we've said in the past I think Nunez is one of those players that Pep could turn into whatever the hell he wants him to be which is what he did to Bernardo Silva where Silva came in as a like a winger and Bernardo's played right wing left wing 10 8 6 left back balls nine False nine. Yeah, he's played everything. We'd put him in goal, but he's three feet tall. So I, I think I think Nunes is he might have the tools to be another one of those guys where we could use him everywhere. And that's that's huge, especially right now when we've got Rodri suspended and then I think forty eight other players injured. 
So <laughs> very, very happy so far. Unlike Joey, I do watch yeah. a whole lot of wolves. Okay. And uh <laughs> Noon has a player that that I've enjoyed um since City were linked with him over a year ago, I think. Uh so you know, obviously hop on YouTube, have a look. And it looked a really good player then. Definitely a um a ball carrying midfielder. And that has sort of been the theme of uh city signings of late is is that Pep's bringing in these uh ball carrying players from come from Vardy all at the back who loves to mm. run with the ball forward. Uh Jeremy Doku, uh Nunes now, uh Kovacic in particular, really good at driving with the ball. And Pep sees it as another way to to break lines in the team. You know, Pep is famous for, you know, passing teams to death. But of late, he's looking for new ways to um, to break lines. And, and dribbling with the ball seems to be the new passing. So, um, yeah, we can love Nunez. And he's hit the ground running, like Joey said. So, very impressed. And yeah, he did that side. for us, like, twice. <laughs> <laughs> he did it against United in uh, before we got him, didn't he? He was pretty good in that game. Yep. I think stand out for you guys. And from your side to us, although he won't feature on the weekend because he's effectively on loan, what was the talk of Tommy Doyle when he was coming through the ranks? Royalty. Yeah. What's that? Royalty. Yeah. Well, do you, I don't know if you know the story of Tommy Doyle. He's he is royalty in that he's a he's a legacy. Uh, his grandparents. Yep. Uh, uh, Glenn Pardo yep. and um, Mike, Mike Doyle, former City pros from, oh, uh, late sixties, early seventies, I believe, um, before my time. <laughs> but Just, uh, very aware of of those two as City legends, and he's the grandson of of both of them, which is amazing. Um, he's he's for that reason, he's a huge favorite at City. Um, although he's not, I think we've always seen him as just not quite, I mean, the, the levels at city right now are so high, um, to come through the Academy and get in, it's kind of a once in a generation type mm -hmm. thing. Like Foden's really the only one who's sort of cemented a place coming from the Academy. And we've had a lot of guys that are just on the fringes and that's, that's not a bad thing. To be on the fringes of a Man City team at this point in time is is really impressive. Mm -hmm. um, we like him, and you may have noticed this already about him, I'm not sure. Um, he's a bit of a James Ward-Prowse. Uh, <laughs> delivery is, is exceptional from set mm -hmm. pieces. Uh, a lot of grit and determination about him, even if he's not maybe a, a physical specimen. Um, just a very smart player. A very handy player to have in a squad. Um, yeah, I think he's going to do great. Yep. Always They've wanted done. him to succeed at City, but if he can't do it at City, want him to be in the top level. And if Wolves is where it happens, then hell yeah. You know, we just want him to succeed. We love what, what are your impressions of him so far? Well, I think they've done quite a good job on the media side. To, to paint a spotlight on him. He's done a fairly lengthy podcast interview for the club already and got into that history. And it really stands out how level-headed he is. And still as a kid at 21, I think it really comes across that 
he's got his head screwed on his shoulders and he knows what he's talking about and he's got that genuine love for the game that he constantly repeated. So he's not had that much of a of a look in playing time wise. He he got a decent amount of minutes off the bench uh, against Liverpool when it was in the second half and we're struggling, but he didn't cough up the ball once, you know, I'm pretty sure he had close to 100% pass accuracy. So he did a really good job of looking after the ball. So I think in hindsight, it's a wonderful thing, but looking back, actually playing him and starting him at Luton would have actually been a pretty wise move or considering and, and how the game played out actually. So I'm quite looking forward to it. I think a few people have said that he's got the the leadership qualities about him that he could be captain Simitir in a few years as well. So if you are signing that calibre of player with those um those other attributes as well, then it, it could be quite astute. I'll say one more thing about him. I mentioned his delivery from set pieces is is phenomenal. But the thing he does in open play is is also his delivery and it's it's probably the closest to De Bruyne that I've seen at City in terms of playing like passes earlier than you would expect him to and with pace mm-hmm. um he's really really good at that like he's very direct when he gets in around the 8-10 position um at whipping balls in um that that reminds me a bit of Kevin De Bruyne so he's he's that's a really nice quality he's got Got me excited, Joey. You said you uh, with Silva, he could play anything but goalie. Matthias mm-hmm. can actually play goalie because you know he's got a larger wingspan with his ears. Okay, so you know he's got, he's got a lot of competition. You know, we got Ederson, we got Ortega, we got Kyle Walker. Got to clean his name. He's got uh, that little extra, you know, extra oomph there up there. To, mm-hmm. to oh, you're saying if we had if we had Nunez. If you could create like an outfield player that could play in goal, Nunez's ears, right, for the reach. Mm-hmm. Ozil's eyes, because he could see <laughs> the future. <laughs> and then Peter Crouch's body. <laughs> I think, all gangly. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah, he's all limbs. Peter Crouch doesn't have a torso. It's arms, legs, <laughs> and there's a head stuck on top of it. <laughs> Like Gumby, <laughs> and then Steve Cooper's teeth. True. Well, yeah. I mean, Steve Cooper is truly a horrifying man. Um, <laughs> if you were going to go, yeah. So you got Steve Cooper teeth, and then you've got like, um, Bruno Fernandez teeth, which is more rat-like. <laughs> so it just kind of depends on what type of damage you're trying to do. You know, do you want to like gnaw through an air filter, or do you want like? <laughs> Do you want like a, like a like a poorly put together fence? You just got to choose, you know. <laughs> you got to choose which one you want. Uh, anytime I can get a Steve Cooper teeth joke, I I try and take advantage. <laughs> you got well, to. Well played, well played. <laughs> so, is it simply a case of rinse and repeat for you guys to win the title this year? I mean, it sure seems like it. Mm. Yeah. That seems to be the the view of a lot of opposition fans, like mm. and and the and the media is that everybody's saying City could could uh, walk away with it. Uh, I think because obviously City unbeaten and and um, 
have a perfect record so far, um, meaning they've not really dropped off, uh, even with some of the injuries we've got. Um, however, Gundogan and, and Mares, two huge players for us over the years, uh, vacated this summer. And I think the start, the, the good start to the season has been down to how quickly our new players have adapted, um, particularly Kovacic has fit right in. Jeremy Doku, like we were ready to give him a season to, you know, get used to playing for Guardiola, but he's already doing bits. So um, be, being able to fill the void of those players leaving, uh, Laporte as well. Mm-hmm. Vardio has been a great um, replacement for Laporte at the back. Um, but those players hitting the ground running have meant we've maintained our standards. So we haven't dropped yet. Um and looking around, there's some teams just right behind us who haven't lost yet. I'm thinking of your Liverpool's, Arsenal, Spurs. But in watching them, then I don't think as a whole the media's convinced that they look that much better. Um, so I I think collectively we're we're all looking at it going, I don't know that anybody's closed the gap on us at, at this point. Um mm-hmm. now it's very early in the season. Uh, complacency often catches up with teams that have a lot of success and that may happen. Uh, there may be more injuries that we can't, uh, Pep can't manage through, but so far so good. What do you think, Joey? Yeah. You know, like you said, no one's really caught up yet. It doesn't feel like it seems like every other club that would be there or thereabouts is somehow still a year away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liverpool like city lost a lot of important players. Um, we replaced ours better, I think. Uh, looks like they've still got a weird situation going on in midfield where they're using a guy in Alex McAllister that you'd like to see higher up the pitch, but he's been used in a six. Um, Spurs, once they get adjusted to Ange Ball and um, have another transfer window, I think they're going to be very good. Arsenal, we've talked about them a bunch on our show. Um, Arsenal, Liverpool, United. It's been the same thing for years from them. Um, that, oh, well, how can we financially keep up with City and blah, blah, blah. Well, they all spent hundreds of millions of pounds over the summer. Uh, so it's time to put your money where your mouth is and actually make something of it. And I don't know that Arsenal have. Liverpool, like I said, I think they're still a year away from being back to where they were. United, I mean, if we can all just take a moment to laugh at them. (laughs) United, Manchester United, largest club, biggest club in the world, currently ninth place uh, on nine. Should be lower. Should be lower. Agreed. But don't worry, you can still catch them. They're only five points ahead of you. Um, I I just please catch them. (laughs) There's one thing I want to see in my lifetime. It's for them to have a season where they finish like 15th. Like I I would just be, I'd be so, so like a Chelsea doing a Chelsea. Yes. Yes. Completely irrelevant finish, but they, you know, they've spent money and something inside of that club still stinks. So they're not going to catch us. It's just a matter of if we get the, when we get our players back from injury, if we can just maintain, you know, just pick up steady results and all that kind of stuff. 
I, I don't think anyone can close the gap yet. If we don't self-destruct, I think we'll be fine. It's down to yeah. us, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's only us who can really throw this away. Um, we're we get a few more Rodri incidents. <laughs> a great spot to to um, to win it again, and that would be wow. That would be four in a row, never been done. Um, so we're 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 trying to temper expectations because, like Joey said, some clubs have spent loads of money, yet, so it's simply time for them teams that have spent more than us now mm-hmm. to uh, to prove that. Spending loads of money is the only way you win trophies. <laughs> and it's not Pep Guardiola, which it actually is. <laughs> and Saturday, you mentioned injuries. Obviously, that's suspension. <laughs> Any predictions at this stage regarding lineup and shape? Seems you'll be on the road. Um, so I think we'll get a better idea after we play Newcastle on Wednesday, at least a little bit for some spots. You, you know, the straight line from Rodri would be Calvin Phillips, but he has had a tumultuous time at city. We'd say, um, and the fan base is divided uh, on whether or not, he's ever going to be good enough to even have a role at the club or not. Um, Mulvin, I would love for him to prove himself and, you know, earn that role. So I think he's, he'll be in there. Um, Stones is coming back from injury, but I don't think he'll be fit enough to start. So it's probably Ederson, um, Walker, Kanji Diaz, Guardiola, Yeah, who do you guys have on the right? Semedo. Semedo. Right, right wing. Yeah, right wing. Oh, yeah. right wing. No. Yeah. Well, that's, no, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> this okay. okay, so we'll go. We'll go Guardiola because I think Ake is going to play against Newcastle. Um, Calvin. I'm sorry, Nunez. Uh, and then ahead of that is just sex. Uh, it's <laughs> Phil Foden, Julian Alvarez, Jeremy Doku, or Jack Grealish, and uh, Erling Holland. So control in the middle and at the back, and then up front, complete and utter chaos, which is, which is how we like it, you know? I'll throw a, a wrinkle in. Go on. I'm not convinced... In the Premier League, he'll play Calvin Phillips. I think he might try and do a Nunez Kovacic, something like that, or a Nunez Bernardo. Um, You're back, yeah. Yeah, so watch out for that too. It w- We're going to find out a lot about Calvin Phillips this week. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> we Joey and I, like Joey was saying, we backed the guy. Like We we looked at him before we signed him and like, this is probably the closest thing to Fernandinho that you know we could get. And we love a Fernandinho. So yeah. um, just the how dynamic he is uh, defensively. Um, he knew yeah. the system more or less because he came from Bielsa. Yeah, yeah, we and thought that would that Bielsa would be a good, a good is, uh, fit, but yeah. Pep just doesn't seem to rate him at all. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out this week. Big respect to him though for saying because there was all the transfer rumors over the summer, and Calvin was like, "Nope, 
I'm staying and I'm going to fight for this and blah, 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 where he could have just like tucked tail and gone, but he didn't. So, you know, I hope he succeeds. But if I was Wolves, I'd, I'd, I'd maybe try playing through the middle. <laughs> if he doesn't succeed, Calvin could have a stinker. <laughs> yeah, true. Well, we're also going to see how, if, uh, if Nunez is charm and thin when it comes to the mental game, because he's going to be hearing it from the fans after the oh. way he left the club. Oh right. no, he's he's up there now with Gibbs White after his little temper tantrum to. Oh, he to like leave, down so. tools, didn't he? Didn't he like yeah. quit growing training and all that? Yeah. Yep. 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 And then Namarez didn't really offer any type of apology when he was leaving for that. So he's he's not well liked. <laughs> Is it will you guys treat him worse than you treat Grealish? Yes. Right, yeah. Paul? You think so? I, I think so. No, yeah. It's too uh it's too raw of a raw of a nerve at, at this yeah. point. So um yeah, I think he's gonna get uh he's gonna be he's gonna come in for it. So Jack will catch a break for once. All right, nice. Yeah. yeah. And we know Nunez will be able to hear all of the stuff pretty true. <laughs> true. He can hear things from other countries. He's like he's got like a, he's picking up AM radio waves. He can hear this right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bulletin board material. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to our friends from Noisy Neighbors uh, with the good conversation regarding Man City and Matthias Nunez's uh, ears. Uh, Paul, the game's at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. What would be a good result? An an amazing result would be anything other than a a loss. But I just can't see that happening whatsoever. Um, what type of formation do we think, Danny? I mean, is this when maybe Gary O'Neill experiments with the back three? I mean, he's got to do something to shore up defense because, uh, because like Paul said, you know, like what is, what is, uh, what is a positive result? To me, a positive result is we look solid defensively. If we concede goals there because City are, fully excellent and a much better team than us. And we lose valiantly, you know, by a goal or two. Um, if we can score a goal against them, even better. Um, so I, I do wonder if maybe he'll, he'll change it up and, uh, and try to pack us out in both um, the back line and the midfield. So uh, it'd be interesting if we see Santi Bueno play in or Tody or both play it against Ipswich and then one of them coming in against Man City. I think we will know when the lineups come up what O'Neill's trying to get. If Bubakar Traore is in the starting 11, he's playing for a point. If not, he's uh, um, potentially going for it. Um, Paul, who's starting at, who's starting up top? It's, it's a really good question. Um, I think I I could anticipate be, us being very defensive, 
maybe he's looking at that first half against Liverpool and thinking, if I could replicate that, I'll be happy knowing that I've got potentially an opponent that's weaker in the midfield with Rodri being out that was that we mentioned when we were discussing it, potentially question marks over Calvin Phillips's effectiveness. If they could swamp him and if it is uh, Nunes is, is the other central midfielder, then is that a way that they can somehow, I don't know, put, uh, put a stamp on on the game and try and get some leverage over them? But I just that City are too good a side, I think, to, um, for him to, to think that and to, and to expect that at some point they, they're going to come back and have chances. So could it be some type of five for one even that it's Cunha as that isolated front man again um Neto uh out left as, as that other attacking outlet and I, I I don't know who that really leaves on the on the right hand side to maybe offer some attacking intent but at the same time maybe be a little more defensively minded. I, I don't think it's Sarabia. Um, I, I'm not necessarily suited to that further wide out role. And with no Bellagardi, I don't think we've got any um, anyone who's naturally could take up that type of position. Danny, what's your prediction? Paid. <laughs> um, what, it, what is an optimistic pr- prediction here? Um, uh, let's go with, uh, Wolves lose 3-1, but perhaps let's pray that it's, it's 1-1 for a long period and then they, then they dispatch us at the end. (laughs) I I can't believe this is where we're at. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Paul? (laughs) Yeah, I can't, I just can't see anything other than a defeat and I'm I'm worried it's a heavy one and oh I put myself out of my misery I'll just say a good result will be a 3 nil loss. loss I think they're gonna just try and park the bus and frustrate Man City but I think ultimately uh two nil city all right Paul we have another special guest lined up tonight and our, it's our pleasure to introduce associate editor at ESPN FC, Roberto Rojas, which, by the way, congrats on getting that uh, that position, Roberto. I know that just happened recently. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Literally, when you guys told me about that interview uh, to do this, it was on the first day. So I had like a million other things going on at the same time. You imagine like people just congratulating me all over the world. But thankfully, I made the time for for this important interview to talk about someone that, you know, hopefully can get on the pitch at, at Wolves and, you know, can hopefully make an impact at your at, at the club. That's right. You are a pow- proud uh, Paraguayan American, and we're going to be talking about Enzo Gonzalez, the youngster that came across uh, in the summer transfer window. So can you provide a little background for, for us on how he came to prominence? 
Yeah, certainly. I mean, look, I mean, I think this whole story just is kind of straight out of like a like a fairy tale. Like it came straight out of like a movie because I certainly didn't expect it. Um, you know, basically for those that don't know, Enzo Gonzalez, it started off at Libertad's Academy, um, widely widely regarded as one of the best in Paraguay. So, so Paraguay has three teams that are kind of dominating the scene in Paraguay as of recently. So it's Olimpia, the most successful team. Cedro Borteño, the second most successful. And then there's Libertad, which, you know, by the way, you know, it was kind of turning into like a Man City PSG type of team over there in Paraguay. It was really well invested by a a, a, um, a businessman that later turned on to be the president of the club. And then later the president of the country. Uh, but he still has his ties here and there. And one of the things that he always promoted was, you know, being on par with Olimpia and Cedro to have a really good academy. Libertad's Academy has, you know, flourished now as of recently, especially with the um, the transfer from Julio Enciso, another Paraguayan that went to the Premier League uh, just last year, you know, going from Libertad all the way to Brighton and having that same impact. In comes Enzo Gonzalez right around the same time that he that uh, um, that Julio made the jump to England. He, he made his debut, I would say, literally a year ago. And he always showed promise. He's always been someone that you know was like okay yeah maybe he might be a star one day but in my opinion I never expected him to make that jump to go abroad let alone go into the Premier League where only two players in in the history of of uh the Premier League and from Paraguayan football have ever done so for him being the third player um to do that at 18 years old is, is incredible I mean you know I'm sure we're gonna go and dissect what type of player he is but like in general of like this entire transfer you know this was someone that you know i was fortunate enough to learn about him about over the last few weeks you know ever since that move came through this guy like on saturday the saturday before his transfer he was at a birthday party he had no idea he was going to go to england he had no idea he thought he was just going to play for libertad because the season was still going on so he was already pumped up to play there then a call comes and they're like on that monday his agent and the people around him saying hey are you ready Ready for what? Ready to go. We're going to England. You're going to play for Wolves. And he was just, he packed everything up. I'm sure you guys saw um, the interviews and like some of the stuff that I did. I did a thread about it when the transfer came about. It just, it's incredible how in like a short amount of time, you know, someone's career can just change like that. And Lord before, and like this was a kid that never left South America. The furthest he ever gone was Brazil. Now he's all the way in England and, and he's playing for for Wolverhampton Wanderers. It's, it's incredible, honestly. It's a it's a really nice story. And, you know, hopefully we get to see him get some significant minutes very soon. So with that in mind, the favoured Wolves formation this, this season has been a central striker and the two wide forwards. Do you think that's a natural fit for Enzo's game? And with that in mind, is he maybe inhibited a little by the former Pedro Neto at the moment? Yeah, I think it's obviously coming in maybe at the wrong time for him to be playing in the exact position where probably the most informed player at Wolves at the minute uh, is performing very well. I mean, look, this is someone that I think is very much very versatile in whatever position. I, I think he does remind me a bit of Enciso, you know, for those that watch him, uh, you know, week in and week out before his injury at Brighton. I think he's someone that can shift into any position. He can play on the left, he can play on the right, he can even play centrally. But I think, yeah, like you said, you know, playing in that role where Pedro Neto is currently playing is essentially his strongest position. And I think that's something that, 
you know, hopefully, you know, he'll learn with time as Wolves continue to go through what is going to be a really long season having to compete in Terrible <laughs> Cup, FA Cup, everything. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to have to deal with a bunch of rotation and whatnot. And, you know, there, there's going to be adversity. So, you know, I, I think he's someone that obviously brings a lot of speed. He's not the tallest player. He, you could see him. He's a bit, you know, stocky. You think of him maybe getting a bit more muscle than he wants. But, you know, I think him adapting to, you know, the English game and learning about it. It's been now, what, three weeks since he made that jump all the way to, to England. I think it's allowed him to understand what it's like to play there. What's it like to play alongside players who, you know, are international national team players, you know, that kind of thing and, and playing under a, a system that Gary Oni likes to play. So I think ultimately he, he is someone that from the get go, I think is, is very fast. I think he's someone that can definitely provide you that kind of change in acceleration. I think he's very intelligent in the way that he thinks as well, you know, playing in that final ball, you know, trying to, you know, break break between the lines and, and finding that final pass. I think he's someone that can do that. And, you know, ultimately, I think it all just depends on what Gary O'Neill wants him to play. Again, it's it's so premature to say anything, really, considering he hasn't played uh, a single minute. We'll see if he plays uh, midweek against um, in the uh, EFL Cup against Ispich. So we're going to have to see if that is going to finally be the moment that he makes his debut. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to it. I think it's going to be hopefully one that he's been waiting for. Like, you know, this is someone that, you know, you, I'm sure you guys have been a bit jaded over the whole like transfer when Ruben Neves left and when, you know, Jimenez and, and many other players like Matias Nunes leaving. And, you know, you have someone here that, you know, he's happy to be in, in at Wolves. He's happy to play in the Premier League. He's someone that feels as if, though, his opportunity is here. He's going to take advantage of it. And, you know, hopefully he goes and succeeds. So all up to him now to to make that big impression. So you mentioned Raul Jimenez. Wolves saw a real influx of Mexican national team supporters that started following um, the club. Do you feel like amongst the Paraguayan supporters that we could see a similar um, type reaction when it comes to Wolves' popularity in the country? Well, he's going to have to play from the get-go as well. I think certainly there is that kind of level of hope because one, I mean, there's a, well, there's a few factors in the way. One, he's very young, so obviously he has a lot of time on his hands basically and two you know the premier league is undoubtedly the most popular league in paraguay and thankfully with the successes of miguel miron at newcastle and julio and Ciso at brighton it's allowed teams and you know it's a lot of people and you know they have their own teams they support whatever arsenal manchester united city chelsea liverpool whatever you may be um so you know there are those times where yeah, it doesn't matter what what happens to our Paraguayan players. You know, we want our teams to win, but ultimately they're going to feel happy. And and I think for him, in this case, um, you know, this is someone that you know burst onto the scene like he's like I said a year ago, made his international de- his professional debut. I think the one thing that is going in favor of him as well is that he hasn't played a national team game yet, whereas someone like Almiron and Ciso have. Almiron has been kind of criticized as of late for not performing into the extents of what he's doing at, at Newcastle to what he's doing on the Paraguay national team. And see, so the, the jury's still out because he's still young and obviously he's injured, so he can't play any games at the moment. And and for Enzo, it's like, hey, clean slate, man. If you can impress and then do what you got to do on the national team, we'll we'll support you. But no, I, I, think, I think from the first step is to obviously have him play. I think there's going to be people that are really anxious because, because there had been like rumors of saying, oh, he's traveled with the squad, he's on the bench, 
but he hasn't played yet. So it's it's kind of very hard, difficult to really assess any fans. But yeah, you're going to have people that are going to watch more games for sure. The same thing that Paraguayans are going to watch Brighton for Enciso and Newcastle for Almiron. So no, I, I think it's uh, it's a perfect opportunity. Whether or not we're going to see you know those type of fans you know go to the Molyneux and go to Wolverhampton might be a bit difficult because. You know, travel from Paraguay to England is very difficult. It's very expensive. And, you know, Paraguay is, you know, essentially a country that's not the richest in South America. So it makes it even more difficult. So but, you know, thankfully with the with the wonders of, you know, TV, streaming, whatever it may be, social media. I mean, there's always that level of trying to to, you know, always follow the action. And, you know, I think certainly thankfully with the the popularity of the league and you know there's always people that are always in tuned with what's going on to all the teams not just wolves that i think you know paraguayans are going to hopefully feel a bit more connected to wolves if he play i mean look if he, if he goes on and becomes someone that is important and, and you know scores goals just like Almiron and, and, and see so that at their clubs and yeah everything from the get-go they're going to be like they're going to go in and adopt them but and it's a, it's a good thing for them because, you know, there's not been a lot of Paraguayans that played in this league for the last 30 years. It's only been I think the ninth of the 10th. I don't remember. But, yeah, it's been so few that whatever opportunity that a Paraguay can get to play in the Premier League, to play against those players that they see week in and week out and, and they envision their own now playing in that same league. I think it's it's easy enough for them to to adopt Wolves or whatever club that a Paraguayan plays for to to go in and follow them and to obviously cheer them on. So if he starts to get those minutes and, and does well in the EPL, is there that natural fast track for him to get that exposure on the national team or will he be introduced more um, steadily over a period of time? Yeah, I mean, look, like, like I said, he's, he's still young. He's 18, so it's not – this isn't someone that's like – you know, Mbappe or Holland would burst onto the scene. I mean, fingers crossed that he is, but that's being realistic. I, I don't see that happening. I mean, look, if he's if he's getting significant minutes, and I'm sure, like, you know, for Paraguay national team, the, the good thing as well, at the time of recording, that Paraguay just announced their new coach, uh, Dani Garnero, who gave Enzo his debut just last year. So there is that understanding of many players that have played under him that, yeah, he's always going to keep ties of what's going on, especially because it's better for Paraguayans to play abroad rather on your national league. So yeah, obviously Enzo has a big advantage for that, that if he plays well there, then yeah, for sure. He's going to get that call. I don't know if he's going to get the call now. We're going to have to wait and see because obviously the, the qualifier started in about a couple of weeks. Enzo hasn't played any first team minutes yet. So maybe he, he gets that jump. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, look, if, if he does make an immediate impression and, and does well, then yeah, I don't see why he, he wouldn't want to be called up to the national team, especially considering the fact that Paraguay are going in through a very tough qualifying process to go to the World Cup. You got the Copa America happening in a couple months as well. So it allows Garnedo to hopefully, you know, test some new players, try out some new blood. And, you know, like I said, it's all up to him at this point. Like, you know, the, the jury's still out. We, we don't know what type of player he can be. I mean, he's still raw. He's 18, but already making that jump to a top league like the Premier League and to play at a side like Wolverhampton is, is huge. It's it's a big thing for him. It allows him to really be taking the advantage of, I'd say, probably 95% of all Paraguayan players of, in the world, with certain exceptions that are top players in their respective teams in different countries. But yeah, he's already gotten that advantage. And at 18, yeah, the, basically the it's it's all up to him. So no, I, I think it's a, it's a good opportunity for him and hopefully that 
he gets that call because I, I do want to see him. I, I really enjoy what I've seen from him in games, highlights, what people tell me. And I'm just like, you know, he's here in the Premier League. He's in the league that a lot of people strive to be in, that a lot of people watch. Why wouldn't you want him on the national team? I think he's he would be rightly deserved to to get that opportunity. Roberto, thanks for uh, hopping on with us. We really appreciate it. Good insight on a player that Wolves are we're excited about Wolves fans, and and you mentioned that he's excited to be there. That's all we really we we mm-hmm. like these young players that are coming in that aren't just using us to try and go somewhere in a year like they genuinely want to be at wolves for several years and hopefully do great and then get that big move on to somewhere so we really appreciate your time oh thank yeah. you so much guys thank you for having me and yeah let's hope that he does become a success for you guys and allows hell more paraguayan fans to, to follow Wolverhampton. Yeah. really appreciate yeah. it where can we find all of the work you do yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, you could follow me at Roberto Rojas97 on Twitter. X, I don't know what they call it these days, but I'm calling it Twitter. It's uh, Twitter. Follow me there. I'll call it there. Perfect. Uh, yeah, follow me there, Roberto Rojas97. You can also check out my two podcasts that I do. I do one called The Limit Football, where basically me and my co-host Joe Ucella talk about everything that's going on in the world of football every week. We try to do an episode uh, every week talking about that. But if you do want more Paraguayan action, uh, talk about Paraguayan football, players abroad, national team, clubs, whatever it may be. You check out Guarani Vision at uh, YouTube, Spotify, the first ever podcast dedicated to Paraguayan football in English. We talk about everything that's going on in Paraguay. And hopefully we talk a lot more about Enzo Gonzalez if he continues to to make his mark at, uh, at Wolf. So, yeah, check out those two podcasts. And, of course, myself on Twitter at Roberto Rojas 97. That's awesome. Thanks, Roberto. No Stupid Questions is presented by Esfuerzo Wines. Located just north of Santa Barbara, California, Esfuerzo Wines showcases passion and three generations of winemaking in every bottle. So whether you're celebrating a Wolves victory or winding down after a day at work, let Esfuerzo Wines transport you to the heart of California's wine country with every sip. For a limited time, head to EsfuerzoWines.com and use the promo code WOLVES for a 15% discount on your wine purchases. This message is intended for those of legal drinking age. Do not drink and drive. Excessive alcohol consumption may be harmful to your health. If you or someone you know is struggling with alcohol abuse, please seek help. Esfuerzo Wines reminds you to enjoy their products responsibly and in moderation. All right, Paul. It's everybody's favorite time. No stupid questions. And I heard down the grapevine that we have an awesome new sponsor. That's right. No stupid questions. The part of the show where you can ask us absolutely anything related to this wonderful club of ours. And it is brought to you by Esfuerzo Wines, showcasing three generations of winemaking in every bottle. And for a limited time, head to EsfuerzoWines.com. Use the promo code WOLVES and you will receive 15% off your order. So... All of these have come from the social media platform formerly known as Twitter, where you can send your no stupid questions to at WLWpod. Regular guest Justin Busnido asks, playing the wife game, how many points do we have if the VAR shenanigans didn't happen at Man United and we got a point there? Where would we be now? That's a good question. I mean, you could say with... VAR2, we should have had three points here. Well, boom, that's four points. 
and suddenly what we're right up there with Manchester United, right? I think, I think <laughs> that puts us up in 10th actually. Oh, look at that. You would you would look at that and think for the start that we had on paper that he's doing a really good job considering he came into the role a week before the season started. It would be the the complete opposite to where the sentiment is right now, I'd hazard a guess. Well, as long as we're doing revisionist history, you know, why don't we go back further and look at, uh, you know, Matt Doherty's handball that effectively took us out of Europe for a second year in a row. Champions League, I think we're on course. Yeah. Go even further. Yeah, so. yeah that's true. So, uh, talking to Burnley, Stu on Twitter asks, have you ever been anywhere that's more likely to require a tetanus shot than Luton? <laughs> I have been to plenty of high school stadiums uh, where that is possible. In fact, a little recap in, in my career, I got locked in a stadium because I was writing my story and the security guard didn't realize. So I got locked in a stadium in uh, League City, Texas. Um, that was actually a nice stadium, but I still had to turn over trash cans and climb to the top of the fence where it was spiked up at the top. And I had called my coworker and he pulls up. I'm like, look, I need to help getting out of the stadium because this gate's like 12 feet tall. And he shows up with a folding chair in two plastic bins and is like, okay, here we go. And I was like, oh, this will not turn out well. And uh, needless to say, sliced my hand, got a tetanus shot. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was that was... That was no fun, but it was still a way nicer stadium than Luton Town. Boy, yeah, you just you feel the the termites and the you know the tetanus all around looking at it. I told Stu on Twitter that uh that RFK Stadium where DC United used to play uh <laughs> is is up there in terms of uh decrepitude. Um they they really they only use the bottom part of that bowl towards the end and it's just like the top part just got rustier and rustier as as the years <laughs> went on. Well, the new stadium isn't much better. I mean, it literally had shit floating down the stadium <laughs> last year. <laughs> okay, next up, two part question, Chris Fisher. Firstly, who is the equivalent of Justin Fields on Wolves? Okay, so this is very directed at me. Um, as people that yes. listen to the to the podcast know, I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Um, and in fact, I was watching, uh, I, I we had like a family get together and I was watching the game with my cousin from California who's only watched, uh, who never watches soccer except with me. He watched Wolves against Leicester City last year, uh, ugh, um, the 4-1 mm-hmm. loss. And then uh, he was watching this one and I was kind of explaining some of the stuff that was going on with the team and everything. And he looks at me and he goes, so you had a chance to choose any team to root for and you chose the Chicago bears of the soccer world. And I went, Oh my God, you're right. And then swear to God, Chris Fisher, like 10 minutes later sends a message and goes, why did you choose the Chicago, they're the Chicago Bears of the EPL? <laughs> yes, they are. Uh, so I'd say equipment of Justin Fields, super talented player who you think's going to be awesome and just hasn't done it. And you don't know if it's because he's really not that good or if the coaches are just horrible. It has to be Fabio Silva. Has to be. I mean, that is that's just the general one. And 
if both of those guys bust, it makes me very sad. Next part, if they get by Ipswich, would you advise a Carabao in brackets Super Bowl Cup Shuffle video release? Paul, do you know about the Super Bowl Shuffle? Got no idea what he's Okay, about. so the 85 <laughs> Bears were probably one of the best teams in NFL history. Um, they were also extremely arrogant. And they came out with this music video, which you need to YouTube because um, just the unintentional comedy is incredible. Uh, but they actually released it even before the playoffs started, talking about how they were going to win the Super Bowl and blah, blah, blah. Uh, very bold. They ended up winning the Super Bowl quite easily. Um, but no, God, no, they don't need to do a uh, care about cup shuffle. Let's let's they can do it if they win. There we go. Even then, I'd still hesitate. <laughs> Although I would like to see, you know, um, Jose Saw doing the uh huh, uh huh, <laughs> with his arm going back and forth. We are the wolves, shuffling crew, shuffling on down like you knew we would. We didn't come <laughs> looking for trouble. We just came for the Carabao Cup shuffle. Uh oh, maybe maybe <laughs> I'm not that thrilled about us going through now. <laughs> <laughs> so that puts a wrap on no stupid questions for this week remember listeners get yours in on twitter at wlwpod on our facebook page or you can email them to hello at wholeloddawalls.com or there's a form on our webpage at www.wholeloddawalls.com where you can submit them there and Paul, we had special guests last week um, talking about New Wolves book, and there was a little competition. That's right. We had uh, entrance based on that competition. All we ask is that you get in touch. You were going to let us know who was on your Mount Rushmore when it came to the Wolves over the era of the book from uh, Paul Berry and Johnny Phillips. So. I will share my screen. I have my random name organizer up on the interweb with our entrance on. I'm going to click to spin. It is spinning. It is spinning. The winner is da, 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 Brian Donnelly. Congratulations, Brian. From Charlotte Wolves. So Brian wins a brand new copy of the book that will be sent to him directly from the publishers. Thanks to Paul and Johnny. And you can go back and listen to that episode as well. Uh, find out more about the book and definitely support two guys that know a lot about Wolves history and just a fantastic group of guys to talk to. That brings this week's show to an end. We're going to be back this time next week to see whether that Carabao shuffle continues <laughs> and to dissect what on earth is going to happen on, on Saturday morning because no one really knows, but it's probably going to be pretty horrible. And then we've uh, <laughs> got something else horrible to look forward to, which is a Midlands derby against rivals Aston Villa. So oh, what to say, listeners, other than that, just... 
the mighty walls. Hold on, a walls. It was a whole lot of walls.